Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, guess what we're going to do today? We're going to think like the experts, just like that intro said. My name is Leonard Kim, and I have two guests for you today. The first one's David Allen. He's a magician and a copywriter. And the second one later today is going to be Raymond On, And he's this guy who's built up this pretty serious network on this platform, small little new thing called Instagram. So uh, right now, what we have on the line right now is David Allen. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Leonard. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yes, my name is David Allen. Uh, oh, cool. I am a copywriter. I got that and right. a professional. <laughs> <laughs> We're off to a rollicking start. Uh, yeah, I'm a magician and a copywriter and a marketing strategist. And yeah, I, you know, just happy to be on the show here today. I've been in this game. Uh, I've been in a magic thing for a long time. Been in the marketing game for about five years. And, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk about how to grow your influence. This seems like the ideal uh, situation. Okay, perfect. Let's get off with the first magic trick. I asked you a question earlier, and it was about what socks you were wearing. And I think you said you weren't <laughs> wearing any. Where did they go? <laughs> <laughs> you know, for me, socks are like, if I can avoid socks I'm, uh, at all costs. You know, I spent the last year uh, sort of back and forth, but uh, a good chunk of it in California and with the temperatures and stuff here, it's like the perfect weather. So I've been able to avoid socks for a long time. And to be honest, nice. I don't need, they're probably still in my luggage, to be honest. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really good magic trick. It's in your luggage and it never made its way out. Or did you just magically have it happen right now? <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. I've been a digital nomad for, you know, and a real, really just a nomad uh, for about the last four years. Uh, up until this last year where I sort of uh, just went back and forth between a couple of places. I was traveling basically nonstop for the last three years previous to that. Part of that uh, was due to uh, performing magic, and uh, the other part was just, you know, uh, traveling and uh, seeing, seeing some sights, so to speak. Oh, cool. So you got to basically travel everywhere and you just let out your backpack? Yeah, well, that's basically, uh, you know, I even had my dog with me for a while. And before she passed away, unfortunately. Aww. And yeah, kind of a sad story there. But, you know, she was pretty old. So it was kind of her time to go. And uh, I'm glad she got to come with me and see, and see some of the, the world outside of uh, Canada, which is where I'm originally from. And, you know, one of the things I sort of uh, lucked into, I guess, was I was learning about marketing at the same time that I was uh, getting into uh, street performing. So I had done corporate magic and private parties and sort of like upscale magic, I would call it, you know, for about six or seven years. And then in order to travel and to, and to get out of, you know, uh, where I was at the time in Canada, where it's icy, uh, icy cold, good seven months of the year, I decided to, uh, you know, find a way to travel. And I wanted to build up the marketing business at the same time. So I needed extra time to work on that kind of stuff. So I started doing street magic as my primor primary uh, way of generating income for the first little while. Uh, so I would just go to towns, you know, uh, there's some meccas sort of in the United States and elsewhere, 
where you can go and just uh, where the tourists are. And, you know, what was interesting is I learned a lot about marketing while doing that because the two were virtually identical Ooh, in that really? street show. Tell me more about yeah, that. Street, yeah, street show is, is essentially you're, you're just a marketing. It's essentially a pitch. So basically it has all the same elements that any business, you know, or any person would use to market their products or services exactly the same, basically. You have to attract, you know, the customers uh, right up front. So, for instance, and we could talk a bit about this perhaps, is I quickly found out that, you know, not every show, just like not every business, uh, wants the same audience and is certainly not going to attract the same audience. Now, for my street magic show, what I would do is I, I got dressed up in a very sort of old-timey, retro, archetypal magician's outfit. So I was wearing like a top hat and a, a, you know, a suit jacket and a vest and so forth. And people instantly rec- recognized who I was, hmm. you know, especially uh, kids. You know, they would see me and they would be like, whoa, that's a magician. Because, you know, probably because the top hat mostly. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it's a pretty much dead giveaway. Uh, <laughs> and then, but, but then you, because I was dressed quite nice, you know, I think that attracted a different clientele, if you will, much the same as a business should be targeting their specific uh, clientele, who they want as customers. I was attracting a certain clientele based on the way I was dressed, sort of the archetype I represented. And then hanging out with a bunch of other street performers, you sort of quickly saw the different people that the different shows kind of attracted, you know? Hmm. And it was very okay, interesting that, that way. And then, me. I'm going to be an 80-year-old guy. I've fought in a few <laughs> wars. I'm extremely grumpy. <laughs> I hate a lot of people. And I'm walking by you, and I'm like, oh, there's this uh, magician. He's not going to trick me. How are you going to build me in? <laughs> well, you know, one of the first things you learn about is that uh, because you're starting a show on the street is an impromptu experience and nobody has left their hotel or their condo or wherever they're staying to see the show, that's one of the first things you sort of uh, you know, learn about is how to gain people's attention. Now, in How are you like, going to gain my attention? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of, the, one of the easiest ways to get somebody's attention like that, I mean, you could, you could say a whole different, you could say a whole number of things. But one of the things I like to say most is I like to just look at the person. Let's say they're walking past, like you said, this grumpy old man. And I would just say, watch. watch. And I usually have Watch what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and I usually, have, I usually have something in my hand. Right? So I have a piece of rope. I usually start my show with rope. And so, you know, I hold the rope out. I look at it. And then I look at them and I say, watch. And what it does really is it focuses their attention on like, okay, he's going to do something here, you know? So most people are at least at that point are kind of like, okay, let me just slow down for a second. Let's see what's going to happen here. Cause they know, uh, and something you, and things you're doing prior to even doing that all sort of suggest that something is about to happen here, you know? Cause I, so I like lay a rope out. The probability of people stopping to watch this? Is it like 90%, 80%, uh, no, 90%? I would th- I would think it's probably like lower. I would say I, I would say it's probably in the 40, 40 to fifty percent chance range. I would say that's a pretty depending good ratio. Yeah, depending on how many people are are going by, right? Because yeah, uh, only a, you know only a certain if there's very few people, maybe your percentages are lower because you know 
numbers game kind of thing. But when, if, the biggest part, I would say, is you have to be authoritative. You know, it's much like uh, a headline. When you're writing a headline, you know, as a copywriter, when I write a headline for somebody's business or their product or their service, what I'm doing is I'm trying to zero in, you know, on that specific person and call out to them directly. Okay, and let's say you were making a headliner for your magic show and you wanted them to watch. What would your headliner be? Oh, it would be something to the effect of, uh, watch this man do the most incredible escape you've ever seen since the days of Houdini or something like that, you know? Ugh. So it has some maybe element of danger in it, you know, because people think of escape, maybe they think, that they think it's going to be danger. You know, uh, Houdini is a well-known thing, so people can, re- you know, everyone knows that name, which is an interesting uh, marketing thing unto itself. And, you know, and you're saying, watch, this person, did it. so, oh, he's about to do it, you know? So it has an immediate... So what you're doing like, is you're taking a relational term with someone bigger than yourself that most people recognize, like Houdini, so they're like, oh, cool, I could pay attention to this, and they kind of get the gist of what's going on, Right. Exactly, because now they know what to expect because they can say, oh, I know what, that word Houdini, I know what, the stuff surrounding that, you know, uh, death-defying escapes or whatever that conjures up in their mind. And they're like, okay, I know what this is to be about, right? And then the great escape would probably relate to, like, what the person is about to do. Right. So it builds up, like, curiosity, makes them think, oh, maybe I want to click and see what's going on. Yeah, exactly. That's one of the same things you do online or, you know, uh, on the, maybe the outside of an envelope if you're doing direct mail. Uh, any, any number of those things are functioning on the same aspect, which is you're getting people's attention. Cool. And you're calling and out when to you them say directly. watch, you're giving them a call to action item to do something immediately, right? Yeah, exactly. Because what, what you sort of found is that people walking by in the scenario of a street performing uh, act, when people are walking by, they may be looking at you, but because they're not expecting to see you and they didn't go to see you, you have to focus their attention because their attention is kind of broadly just, they're just kind of walking around looking for something to do. Maybe they're on their way somewhere, but kind of, you know, not for a while that thing's going to start. So they're kind of just looking. They may even see you, but they're kind of like, okay. And and that's uh, the call to action, like you say, watch, is really a focusing of the attention. It's like it's, it's as if you said, you know, something very specific. Like if you said, you know, in a headline, you said, are you a yoga mom, you know, over 45 years old or something, you know? That Do you want me to say yes person. to that? Yeah. <laughs> are you a yoga mom, <laughs> by the way? <laughs> but like somebody, you know, you're talking to that person specifically, you're focusing their attention because it speaks to them. Now, this is something a little more general because you're, well, you're actually pointing at that person. You're looking, you're talking to that person directly, which you don't always get with, uh, you know, advertising per se. So that's the same, the same uh, factor there is you're, you're drawing them in. And on the street, it's usually, uh, you know, color, uh, motion, and sound are like the big uh, attractors. Hmm. So if you're, you know, you're dressed colorfully, Perhaps the objects and props that you're using are very colorful. You're, you're moving them around or you're walking around uh, and you're loud, which is another sort of aspect, uh, you know, and like I said, or authoritative. Uh, you know, people gravitate to people who are authoritative. So, you know, one of the funny you things you learn about... reason behind that? Uh, yeah, I think in general people want 
to be led. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, they want someone to say, or at least they seem to react to someone to say, because they really, you know, you're dealing with street performing, you're really dealing with a bunch of tourists who are just out to have fun. So they may not have a, a specific itinerary of what that's going to entail. You know, when I was down in New Orleans for a couple of winters, uh, you know, there's, it's such a small place in New Orleans where people gravitate toward the French Quarter. And I was in Jackson Square. And so you have people just walking around looking for stuff to do because there's a lot of sites to see. There's a lot of buildings to check out and like famous places and stuff like that. So they don't have any real specific itinerary. They're kind of just going from place to place generally. So if you're able to catch their attention by saying watch and you're saying it in an authoritative manner, the more authoritatively you can say that, the more serious they believe you are. Like something really good is going to happen. Hmm. Because why would, you know, why would this guy uh, suggest otherwise? You know, kind of a thing. So if I go around tomorrow and I go onto the street and I wear this bright blue little shiny shirt with this little top hat and I said, watch, do you think people are tuned in? <laughs> yeah, they probably don't pay attention to you, undoubtedly, hmm. undoubtedly. And if you said watch and you had something to show them or something, you could. You start it. It's unbelievable, actually. Once you get into it, and still, it's still a little scary almost every day you would do it. But once you sort of get into it and get sort of uh, numb to the fact that people may not stop and may not watch and, or do any of that thing, you know, rejection, it's kind of like being in sales in that, re- in that regard, you know, but you've got to just keep plowing through. And sort of the stronger your conviction that something good is going to happen, the stronger the draw is of the people, like the more they believe in you. And so, so the next, the you next, have to believe that whatever you're doing is like the greatest thing in the world. Yeah, if you don't believe that this is the best thing that they're going to see today, it's probably not going to go very well. You almost oh. have to have it. You know, Let's say you don't believe it's going to be the best, but you perform it as the best. Do you think they're still going to walk away not believing it's the best? Well, it depends. You know, uh, that's a good question. I think that, you know, beauty is in the uh, eye of the beholder, as they say. So I think when it comes to, like, magic on the street, one of the things it has going for it is that people don't really ever get to see magicians up close. Hmm. They've seen them on TV. They may be a, a familiar with, like, you know, a Penn and Teller or a David Copperfield or something like that. Uh, but they've never seen one do things right in front of their face and, and even in their own hands. So it's a very unique experience. I had many people tell me that, you know, uh, they had never seen a magician before, you know, in real life and how crazy that was and stuff happened in their own hands. And, and, uh, and I had lots of people actually tell me, and this is something that uh, is unfortunate about uh, magic in general, I would say, is a lot of people have had bad experiences with magicians. Uh, the, you know, the material wasn't good or the, ma- the magician wasn't uh, friendly or, you know, he, he used some some uh, blue humor or whatever. And as a result, I've had several, you know, over the years, I've had many people tell me that uh, I sort of resurrected their belief in magicians because oh. of the way I conduct my, on my show, you know, which is very family friendly and uh, cheeky, has some cheeky parts to it uh, for the adults, but it never crosses that line. It's never crass, you know, and that's sort of the character that I would play too. He was like a, a more refined character, if you will. 
Wow. And I, that's pretty awesome, especially with getting the character all wrapped up into a place where you're not offending people or blowing them off like other people who are musicians out there. And this is a great time for us to leave it off. We're about to hop into a commercial break. So stay tuned. Uh, David Allen, uh, Larry Kim here. We'll be right back. You can check me out at Mr. Larry Kim on Twitter. You can get me on LarryKim.com. Uh, but we'll be right back after these commercial breaks, and we'll have more of David Allen diving into the specifics of exactly how you can use these techniques in your business. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Life is complicated and sometimes we all need a little help, but don't have the time for a full hour-long session or don't know who to turn to. That's where BetterHelp comes into play. With BetterHelp, I can get matched with one of over 2,500 licensed and approved counselors and therapists and get help anytime, anywhere, totally private. For a flat weekly fee starting at $35, I can connect with my counselor via text, chat, video conference, or phone, which is great for me because I'm always on the go. And I can go back to previous sessions whenever I want through my secure account from anywhere in the world. It's a great feeling to know that help is there, affordable, private, and convenient to my schedule. We all can use a little help. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash VA health and register for free. You can try it for seven days without being charged on your credit card and get matched with a licensed counselor usually within 24 hours. Get better help today at betterhelp.com forward slash VA health. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel hear the stories be motivated be inspired join us today voice america influencers this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, guess what we're doing right now? We got some water and we got some plants and we're growing an influence tree. This is Leonard Kim here and I'm back with David Allen. And if you've heard on the first segment, David Allen's a wonderful magician and copywriter who's really gone out there and made a huge career for himself in the copywriting business. And he was able to do that by just taking all the skills that he learned in magic. And to recap a little bit of what we talked about before, he went out there and said, hey, guess what, guys? watch and then he'd said that in an authoritative way and people would turn and watch what he was doing on the uh 
like in touristy areas, and he would win the competition. People would go, oh, I want to see the Mardi Gras, and he'd be like, no, watch, and they'd pay attention to him instead. And now he's making those same headways out into the uh, copywriting world. So what we're going to talk about in this segment right here is building rapport. So they built rapport with me. That's why we're chatting here right now. But then the rapport goes a really long way, and it's really what bridges the gap between you and all of the other people out there that you want to connect with, whether they're customers, mentors, people that you want to do business with, whoever it may be. Rapport is one of the strongest things that are really the bond between you and others. So, David, why don't you take at it with some rapport tips? Yeah, you know, rapport, of course, it's like you just said, uh, Leonard, it's probably the most important aspect of whatever it is you're doing, whatever aspect, of it, whether it's business, personal relationships, and so forth, it's such an important part because it's really generating, you know, everything that comes after that. Once you have rapport with somebody, they like you, they, they get to know you, they begin to trust you, then that's the person they're going to turn to, you know, uh, and treat more favorably, whether it's buying your product or service, tipping you if you're a street performer whatever it happens to be. Now, one of the things I found very interesting about street performing was that, uh, you know, most street performers would go through their whole act. Uh, there's sort of ways, um, not unlike marketing, where you would pre-sell people by mentioning the fact that you took tips sort of throughout your, your whole show. And then there was sort of like a, a, pre, uh, a pre-finale phase where you would talk about money and that nobody paid you to be out here but the people watching and so forth. And, you know, that was all good. And then you would essentially do the finale, which was some big finish, you know, some big, uh, some big trick that sort of uh, concluded itself. And then you would ask for money, which was basically the close. Well, at the very beginning of my show, uh, I used to borrow. I don't do it anymore for, for theatrical reasons. But early on when I was street performing, I would borrow people's keys, their house keys, their car keys. And, you know, one of the things I think, uh, allowed me to do that because it was only about two minutes or three minutes into the show. People were handing me their car keys and their, and their house keys. Uh, was that had created Did you ever really to fast- take any cars out for a drive or go visit anyone's house? No. <laughs> you know, that was, one of the things I, that was one of the things I would say if there was any hesitancy because sort of the way I would do it is I would say, you know, for this last uh, bit, you know, this, the finale is sort of the first trick in the show, I would say, you know, I need to borrow somebody's keys. Uh, and I start to pat myself down as if, you know, which is sort of a, uh, a visual way to say, look for your keys, right? So, you know, somebody get their keys out kind of thing. So I would say, I start patting myself down and, and say, you know, I need some, I need the house keys, car keys. And people would start to look, you know, go into their purse, you know, uh, go into their pockets looking for their keys. And then I would sort of wait. And What's the weirdest key would, that you've ever got? Uh, that's a good question, actually. I got, there's a lady in, in Arkansas, uh, actually, I, like a, I think she was probably about 19. Uh, she had a, a pewter statuette <laughs> attached to her, attached to her keychain of Tinkerbell. What? Yeah, and it was big, like it was about the size of an iPhone. Like Paul, oh, you know? No. It was, yeah, it was huge. I don't know, I'm surprised it didn't like snap off her key in the, in the you know, ignition. <laughs> But one of the Guess funny things was never about, losing her keys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you would call for, back then I would call for people's keys and I would say, you know, borrow your keys, your car keys. And then I would wait a beat. I would say, uh, keys you never need again for the rest of your life. <laughs> right? 
And people would sort of hesitate when you said that, and I would say, no, I'm just kidding. And then, and then like you said, Leonard, I would say stuff like, it's okay, I don't know where you live, or I don't know where you park, you know? So people would hand them over. This lady handed me over these keys, this girl handed me over these keys with this pewter statuette. Now, when I was in Arkansas, I was only there, I've only performed there for one weekend, and the people were very conservative. And they weren't laughing at a lot of the jokes you would make. And there's some jokes in my show that were... They weren't off color, but they were kind of cheeky, as I mentioned earlier. And they wouldn't laugh. Uh, well, here's a good example. So I would, this is sort of all uh, fits in. So I would borrow the, somebody's keys. I was doing a trick where I was kind of like the idea was sort of threading a needle almost, right? And I was threading the needle without letting go of the thread, so to speak. Uh, so it looked like I just melted the, the thing right through the, ne- the eye of the needle, so to speak. And then I would tie their keys to that same end, and I would make their keys pass through in the same way. So it was a real, nice visual, a real nice visual illusion, and they know it was real because it's their keys, which they tie onto the end. So uh, I borrowed this one lady's keys when I was in New Orleans, and then she had a whole whack of keys, like a janitor almost, you know? She had a whole... <laughs> A whole keychain just full of keys. I don't know what she was doing. And I made a few jokes like that. And then I took the keys and we tied them on. And then I, I was getting ready to pass them through. Now, everyone usually at that point of the show, they would, they would look and say, no, 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 this, this is impossible because those keys are way too big to fit through like that eye of the needle kind of idea. Yeah. And then you would do it, you know? And, uh, and this lady whose keys I borrowed, uh, she freaked out. You know, she just lost her stuff. Just lost her mind, basically. And she was like, "It's really in there," is what she said. You know, she screamed out, "It's really in there!" Yeah. And and this became a standard part of the show after I after I figured this out because immediately when she said that, my brain sort of my you know my brain sort of kicked in for something to say, and I looked at the rest of the audience. I said, "And that's coming from a woman." <laughs> and, and, and the whole place just went bananas, you know. All the audience just went crazy, you know. So that became a standard part of the show because that lady just her saying it that way, you know, stimulated me to think of that, and so that became a regular line in the show, which always nice. killed. Yeah. So it was kind of those were the kind of jokes I would tell, you know, uh, that had a little cheekiness to them. It's kind of like where you fill in the blank as an audience member. You're filling it in with the, you know, if you have a dirty mind or whatever, where you think, you know, you're the one filling it in, not me, you know? Yeah, so, that's true. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't have to say anything. They're taking it however they want to take it, you know? And I have had, it's like, like... It's uh, like when two guys go, oh, look, our friend broke their cast. What should we draw on it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it was funny because there was a lady, I remember, in, in, uh, in Lawrence, Kansas. I was there for, like, a busking uh, street performing festival. And this, I, I did that joke in the show. And, some, and there was a bunch of kids. You know, there's always a bunch of kids there when you're street performing, usually, because, you know, you're attracting families and stuff. And so this lady heard that joke. She took it the way I intended it. But she said, you know, oh, she just was shocked. You know, she said, oh, there's, there's children here, is what she said, you know. Well, of course, they don't understand what that means because they're too young and they, and they don't get the uh, they don't get the joke, you know. Uh, so most of them, unless they're much older. So usually, when somebody says that, that's only happened like a couple times. Uh, you, you can sort of uh, cheekily remind them 
that, uh, you know, if the ki- kids get that joke, that's not your fault, you know? <laughs> you're not the one who raised them. <laughs> and that always, that always killed, too, because you could follow it up and say, lady, if those kids get that joke, that's not my fault, you know? <laughs> so, and, and the rest of the audience would just go crazy at that, right? Yeah. But that rapport building, that rapport building, to get back to sort of the topic, that rapport building is so important because people were handing me their keys and I had only, they'd only met me like two and a half, three minutes ago. So they were felt enough uh, trust that I wasn't going to do something stupid with their keys or break them or something, you know? Uh, and I think a lot of that has to do with like just that opening stanza where you're, you're uh, well, you're saying I, I had said a few funny things by then. Uh, you know, and I was smiling uh, constantly, which I do anyway. It's kind of all the time. So people were not, and I'm a tall guy. Like I'm six, four, I'm 300 pounds. Like people could easily be scared of me, but, uh, you know, I'm always smiling and kidding around. So, you know, that creates rapport with people. And when you're doing your marketing, the same thing, you know, your same personality should come out. You see, you see far too many, you know, websites, uh, business, uh, you know, uh, content and so forth. That is so sterile and just like in, in like businessy, you know, where it's almost just like a robot spitting out, uh, you know. Uh, you don't like robots? I mean, I watch Transformers. Well, I, do, I, I do thought like robots, robots were pretty cool. <laughs> I just don't like the sound. I don't like the sound like a robot, you know. Oh, yeah, they do sound so, kind like, of you want to, They sound kind of monotone. Yeah. I mean, they're going to sound here to sound, save so, the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Ten years from now, sounding like a robot would be cool. So that's one of the things, you know, and how I got into copywriting was I started with uh, email marketing. So I started writing other people's emails. And that was, uh, that's one thing that you can really use in your business for people who are trying to get actually serious uh, content out of this radio show is that uh, you can connect with people through email and become like a, you know, they get to know you. Uh, you know, I learned uh, a lot of the email techniques uh, when I first got into email copywriting from a guy named Matt Fury, who was uh, uh, into the martial arts uh, niche. <laughs> and I've never Isn't the other Fury. guy whose last name is Fury, like from like uh, the Avengers oh, or like, something? Oh, like Nick, Nick Fury? <laughs> yeah. Are they related? I don't, I don't think they are. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> yeah. But what if, one of the things about Matt Fury's emails was that they were so, you got to know Matt Fury by reading the emails. Not only was he uh, selling you martial arts products, if you were interested in that, but also you got to learn about him as a person. And for people who are in business listening to this and or people who are trying to influence people and grow their influence, you know, email marketing is still has the greatest return on investment online. Like it's a, it, can, it can be amazing things for your business, uh, and it's it comes from just being consistent uh, with emailing people. A lot of people are very afraid of uh, much like I was afraid to do street performing. You know, people are afraid to to email people more than once. You know, once every couple of weeks or something. First, you know, because they're going to uh, scare people away. I can tell you this right now that I've had clients who email people like three times a day and only serves to increase their influence and increase, you know, the sales, increase their ability to help people get their Are they having product. a conversation with these three emails a day or are they just send yeah. email after email after email? 
No, you got to do it the right way. And basically, the, the sort of uh, easy format is you're going to tell a story, right? You're going you're to give some sort of story. It doesn't have to be uh, some miraculous story. You know, whatever you did today, uh, chances are, is probably an interesting story in some way because these people, if they're already on your email list and they've signed up, they've opted in, they want to hear more from you. You know, uh, they've given you permission to, to, to uh, you know, get back to them. And then one of the things you can do is uh, people really connect with stories, and that's one way to create rapport. Because you tell stories about maybe uh, instances, you know, that have happened to you, you tie that into some sort of uh, tip or some sort of, uh, you know, uh, some, some content, some value that they can take away. And... And then you have, you know, a sort of a, I guess it would be a soft sell approach of having your link to your product or the solution uh, for whatever it is you're, you're selling, whatever you're relating your story and stuff to. And that's just a simple little formula of like having that story, a little value you give for like some sort of, you know, tip or technique. And then the solution perhaps to the pain that they, people may be facing is your product. And doing the email, you know, people are scared to do even a daily email. And like I said, I've had people do three, three emails a day. But the stories are, you know, you get better at writing the more, uh, you know, if you're going to do it yourself, you get better at writing the more you do it. And, also, and if you have somebody, a professional copywriter like myself do it, you know, we're taking that voice of your business. You know, if your business has a certain, like I know, Leonard, you have a certain personality. You're kind of fun-loving. You know, oh, cool. uh, fun loving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I had you on my podcast like a, a year and a half ago, whatever it was now, I mean, you had some great stories about uh, a photo shoot you've done with Will Ferrell, you know, stuff like this. Uh, it was great to have those type of things relate to whatever it is you're doing now with you. You help people build their brand. So that's like a great story for that, you know, uh, which can be translated into some sort of email format, uh, maybe broken up over a number. That's why you see so many people nowadays, I mean, they're using, you know, uh, autoresponders and uh, daily emails and all this kind of stuff. That builds rapport because if you email people on a consistent basis, it doesn't have to be daily. I mean, it can be three or four times a week, but it has to be consistent. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I used to work at a nightclub back in the day and my uh, boss told me, you know, if we open on Tuesday, we say we're going to be open on Tuesday then we better be open every Tuesday because if someone heard that at some point and then they come here and we're not open, they'll never come back. And really? it's kind of yeah, the that's same. pretty true. Yeah, it's kind of the same idea. So if you're consistent, you know, uh, consistently, you, get, you know, you do it three times a week or something, people would come to expect that and then they're going to get to know you better and then when they do want, eventually, if they're, you know, on your list or there for a reason... They will want that solution to whatever problem is you're solving. However, you're helping people by what you sell. You know, you're going to be the person at the top of mind because you're consistently in their inbox, uh, you know, providing great value, good content, and they feel like they know you as a person. Like, I felt like I knew Matt Fury. You know, I never know. I've never met him in person. I feel like I do know him just because I've read his emails for years. Exactly. Exactly. So that's like yep. a big thing, you know, is that that can, that can be a real leverage, especially online for people who don't have that in place now for the business. That could be a huge leverage point because, you know, they may not know anything about your business. They may, they may walk in there once a month to pick up whatever it is they, they buy from you 
and it's just like this is this uh, you have no rapport with these people. It's just kind of maybe for them it's just a convenience right now, but you could turn it into something so much more by having them know what really what you're about. So I have a question for you. Where yeah. can someone go so they could see like a sample of one of your emails? Uh, you know, that's, that's a good question. Mo, what a good place to go would probably just email me directly. Oh, um, that's great, right? Yeah, they, they can uh, they can go to uh, they can email me at Dave at makewordspay dot com, and uh, that'd be that's my go straight to my uh, my sort of business inbox, if you will, and. Uh, if they want to see some samples of some of the emails I've written and so forth. I, I'm having my site redone right now, so it's a little all over the place. Normally, I'd have samples up there, but uh, if they want to email me directly and talk about email and, and get uh, you know a better idea about what that's about and uh, how to leverage that, then I can show them some examples. Because I think people are, when it comes to writing, people are tend to be really vaclent, you know, about writing. They're like, oh, my God, I can't write. Writing is such a hard thing. But really, it's not, especially email. It's such an easy thing to do if you're a business that doesn't have a huge budget to hire you know, a copywriter like myself. If you want to get into it, you know, there's plenty of ways you can do it. And uh, it's not that hard. I, I actually taught some clients how to do it so that I didn't have to do it anymore. For them. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, my time. And, I mean, it, it can create some ridiculous uh, results. Because uh, essentially it comes down to, like, if you're consistent with your email, you'll sell so much more of your products and circuit. You'll get your stuff in the hands of people who need it, you know, uh, so much more because they're, they're, they'll get to know you and they'll have more opportunities to get that solution. Awesome. Thank you so much for those insights. Uh, once again, this is Dave Allen and Leonard Kim on Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll be taking a commercial break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. I'm busy and so is my family. Leftover pizza and unhealthy takeout isn't really doing it for us anymore. Just ask my bathroom scale. That all changed when I found Freshly. For less than $10 a meal, Freshly delivers six meals a week, always fresh, never frozen, prepared by top chefs and nutritionists using the best, freshest, gluten-free ingredients. The best part is the menu is always new and fresh, just like the food, and it only takes three minutes for me to prepare breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and there's no messy cleanup and no dishes. My family loves the choices and the taste and freshly delivers to my home and my office so I eat healthy all day, every day. If you're tired of the same old cardboard delivery and takeout, try out Freshly.com today and save $20 on your first order using coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Your taste buds and your scale will thank you. So save 20 bucks today with coupon code VAH639 at Freshly.com. Would you like to make more money, help more people, and have more fun? Tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show because you'll discover the money, mindset, and marketing skills that will help you create the abundant lifestyle you desire. As an international keynote speaker, best-selling author, and thought leader, Noah helps business owners increase their income, influence, and impact. So tune in to Noah St. John's Money Mindset and Marketing Mastery Show live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern noon pacific on the voice america influencers channel 
Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, welcome back, everyone. This is Leonard Kim, and we're still here with David Allen, uh, the magical magician who came and wandered all across the world doing tricks everywhere, all so that he could one day become a copywriter and realize it's the exact same thing as magic, except for it's um, there's no person in front of you, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It's exactly the same. Yeah. So what we're going to be discussing in this segment, if you've tuned in before, you've got to really see how exactly Dave went out there and was able to get a magic trick seen by other people, draw them in. And uh, we talked about how he was able to build rapport so people would pay attention through the whole show. And he talked about keys and all these other tricks with a little needle. But now in this little segment here, what we're going to be discussing is something that's really compelling. And that's customer retention. One of the biggest things that you could have is you're able to go out there and <clears throat> go out there and get customers to come back more and more and more, and David's going to get a little bit into that. Yeah, that's obviously a very important aspect of anything related to you know growing your income and growing your influence is getting people to come back again and again. So I'm going to tell you a story. I had I was in New Orleans uh, several winters ago, and I had this family who was a mother and her three sons, and I think they were like maybe 12, 10, and 7 or something, I think was their ages, and they came and saw my uh, street magic show in New Orleans in Jackson Square, and I guess they were there for a little over two weeks, they must have been, uh, I think they were there for family reasons or something, but they saw my show the first day, and they came back, this is sort of the power of creating rapport with people, you're actually getting to know people, you know? is they came back every single day that they were in New Orleans. Wow, so what do you back. think made them do that? <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things certainly was I got to know, not only did they get to know me, of course, but I got to know them. You know, so one of the techniques I use in my street magic show is I get to know some things about those, you know, about a bunch of people, usually by the end of the show. So I'll know your name, I'll know probably where you're from, you know, I can't do that for everybody, especially if you have like, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 people there or something. But, you know, five or six people, I will know where they're from. They're, I'll be able to remember their name and all this stuff, and I'll be able to converse. You know, we feel like much the same as I'm talking about in the previous segment with email. It's the same idea, you know. Now they feel like they know me, and I know them. So it's going both ways. And when I did that, this, you know, I particularly created some deep rapport with this uh, mother and her uh, three sons, and they started coming back every day. And in fact, they took me out for dinner twice while they were there. Wow. Uh, you know, so that's the amount of, you know, when you consistently uh, address people in an authentic manner, you know, I, and I wanted to know about them just as much as they wanted to know about me. Like, what, what brings people back so many times? And they were just like overjoyed you know, to have seen the show every day. And, they, and the show is the same show. I mean, it's like, it runs like 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. It's the same tricks, the same lines, the same corny jokes. 
and they saw it every day. I'm, I'm sure they, the, so the kids almost were able to recite it themselves. But that's that kind of sounds like why people keep going see, to see like Tony Robbins with the Day of Destiny all the time. It's the exact same thing, but people just keep going and going and going. Yeah. But I thank mean, you so much, Dave, for like all this information. I mean, we really do appreciate it. And thanks for being on the show today. How can people reach you? Uh, if you go to makewordspay.com or send me an email at dave at makewordspay.com, I'm on all social media sites and stuff. And uh, my magician stuff is actually on Instagram. So you can sort of hunt me down there. I don't even know what the, the link is, but you know we'll probably have it in the thing. So, yeah, if people want to contact me, people want to grow their business, or they want some magic done at an event or something like that, then I still do some of that. Uh, get a hold of me at those aforementioned places. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dave. And about Instagram, what, who we have now is our next guest, Raymond Nahn. Raymond Nahn has built a pretty big network of millions of followers on Instagram, and he's here today to really dive into the specifics of how he was able to grow this network and provide some specific tips on how you could go out there and build your Instagram profile. Raymond, are you here? Hey, Raymond. How's it going? Hi, uh, good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Oh, anytime. Um, so, uh, can you tell us like a little bit about how you got got started with Instagram? Yeah. So, actually, you know, I was actually going to chiropractic school. I was in healthcare. I was a human bio major, and that has nothing to do with what I'm doing today. But um, you know, I decided I knew that this wasn't what I wanted to do, healthcare. But I was just searching for what I want to do, and I found out about online business. And there's a guy named Pat Flynn who. He makes six figures a month um, just online. And so once I found out about that and the possibilities of uh, you can make money, you know, when you want, where you want. And I love that idea of freedom. And that was what attracted me to entrepreneurship and building my own business and, you know, making money online. And I got into making websites, trying to make money off niche sites and make money from Google ads and you know, eventually I made a motivational website, which I was going to drive a lot of traffic to and make money from Google ads. And I also made an Instagram page for that. So it was a motivational page. And, you know, I figured I was growing that at the same time. And I figured out people are making money off of doing something called shout outs, which is when you pay an Instagram page to feature your posts and that will help you grow. And so once I found out about that, that there's a possibility and potential for making money. And this is not even a little, it's like a lot of money. Like some people make 20 to a couple hundred dollars off of just one post. And um, personal influencers, they can make 1500 off of just one post. And so, you know, once I found out about that potential, I got all into social media. I even uh, acquired some pages, which people don't know about, but you can buy pages. And um, I bought so I'm now like 100,000 following, and I leveraged that to grow my other pages, which were, small, which were smaller, and now I have a network of millions of followers, and my collective network of people I work with, I created a group of really large pages, and we have a collective network of 100 million, but you know, personally, I manage over like 4 million followers, and so it's like, it's crazy how much influence you can have through social media, and so that's kind of a little bit of how I started my journey and learned to grow pages, learned to grow hack Instagram. Um, the fastest I've grown a page to 100K was around a month, month and a half. But now the algorithm changed so much, it's a lot harder to grow. But um, definitely, it's 
you know, there's ways to work the algorithm so you grow faster and all that. Wow, having a network of about uh, 4 million people that you could directly send a message to is pretty influential. I mean, I don't even have a 4 million person network that I could just send a message out to and get it into. So what kind of messages are you sending out to this audience? Yeah, so um, I have many different pages. I have around, like, I have four main ones, but I have around, like, over eight pages. And, you know, I'm managing them all myself right now, but... Um, you know, I have different theme pages. So some are in tech. You know, I have a, one called Tech Voyager that's over 300K. There was one called Oculus Voyager, 200K. And so that one's in travel. So they're all across different niches. But the main ones are travel, tech. And, um, uh, yeah, I just, you know, basically I grow these theme pages. I make money off of shout-outs when companies want to advertise with my page. And it's like the new way of billboards, you know, like, People don't really use billboards anymore, and those who do, they don't really see the ROI from it. But like Instagram, I would say like a billboard, like the the billboard of this generation where people can like post you and people see it, and they buy a product or buy your event. Um, there's one event page I grew called Scare Los Angeles, and we generated eighteen thousand dollars in ticket sales in three months just from Instagram, and so. That just wow, kind of gives you an idea of like how much, yeah, how much potential it has, and it's a very powerful traffic source. So let's say someone out here wants to go out there and build their Instagram network, and they just don't know where to start. Do you have a step-by-step process that they could follow? Um, yeah, I haven't made a course yet or anything, but you know, I could definitely do like consulting calls. But do you want me to give me give you some tips right now, or? Yeah, some tips right now. Like, what should I do first? So, um, I, let's say my page is like, I got 500 people who are my friends following me. I have some pictures of food on my account. I have maybe like two inspirational mm-hmm. quotes and my profile picture. Like, what, what's the first thing I need to do? Yeah, so first thing I would do is first look at the people that you want to be like, you know, the people who already have the following. You know, some people have done it really well, like Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, then um, Ty Lopez, even though I know some don't like him, but um, Lewis House, Joel Brown. So all these people you can look at um, and see how they're doing their content because a lot of their content is not selfies, it's not food, it's not things about them. It's more about sending a message because the thing about social media, people aren't going to follow you just because you're you unless you're like a celebrity you have to give some sort of value that they'd want to see your post every day, you know? And so, you know, I mean, you could do... So would I copy them exactly or would I, like, use them for inspiration or how would I do that? Like, let's say I was looking at Gary Vee's page. What am I going to do? Copy him exactly or... Yeah, I would just use that as, like, um, like a creative, you know, the place to start and from there be like, okay, what can I bring to the table and how can I format it in the way that they're doing? Because there's a certain way of formatting that works well on Instagram. Like, that's why you see people doing those meme, kind of like the text in white and then, you know, the video because, like, those things are more eye-catching. So, you know, just find out what you can bring to the table and look at, you know, go look on your Explore feed, you know, on your search feed and you'll see the things that are popular on your Explore feed and, you know, copy that kind of style. But, you know, put in something that you can offer uh, in that kind of format. 
Okay, let's say I got videos down, I'm doing videos, and they have, like, white words over the top and bottom. What's the next step? Yeah, and, you know, make sure the content is good. Make sure the content is engaging. And what you can also do is get shout-outs from bigger pages. And, you know, I know people like Gary and Ty, they've spent probably hundreds of thousands just on shout-outs from other pages to grow their following. But... You know, so after I get my least, content good, I have to go and find shout-out networks to go and promote my content. Yeah, yeah, ideally, yeah. And then unless you have some type of unique viral content that can be reshared a lot, um, which which is ideal if you can go viral. But, yeah, that's, you know, not everyone can go viral. So, yeah, getting shout-outs would be a good idea. And, um, yeah, it's, it's all about content, honestly. Content is first. And then comes like getting the shout outs and promotion from bigger pages to grow your following. Cool. So the three steps would be to generate quality content and mimic the type of content that's already doing well on Instagram from other pages. Uh, Number two would be to go out there and get shout outs from bigger pages. And number three would be to get organic promotions from bigger pages promoting your content, right? Yeah. It's all about networking, collaborating, because you can't grow big on your own. Yeah, or cool. it'll take a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I could see a lot of pages growing if a page with a million followers is saying, hey, go out there and follow this person. So that really makes sense. And we really do thank you so much for having us on the show, Raymond. Let's say someone wants mm-hmm. to go out and they wanted to follow you or connect with you or get more information on how to really grow their Instagram. How would they do that? Um, I have a personal page that I'm currently <laughs> goes back it's Ray uh, dot e h n on. Um, they can reach me on LinkedIn as Raymond on. I have a lot of articles actually I've written about growth hacking and kind of share, give you an inside look of what I do. Um, Facebook as Raymond on, and uh, of course my podcast. It's it's on iTunes. It's called Social Ray. So I interview social media influencers with millions of followers, and um, you can get a lot of good value from that if you want to learn about social media and entrepreneurship. So. Um, those are some of the ways you can reach me. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Once again, this is Raymond Nahn, and my name is Leonard Kim with Grow Your Influence Tree. You can always find me at leonardkim.com or at Mr. Leonard Kim. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.